0: This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 52, no. Ride to Live, Skate, or Die. 51. 52, my friend. I screwed it up in the notes. Oh. Don't start this now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's fifty, the 52nd episode. What a trip. It is.
0: Okay. It is. Um, but I labeled yours 51 because that's the sort of operation we run.
1: Yeah. Look at me correcting your... We're correcting you (laughs) like a real pro. Yep. Well, content warning. We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. So if you are sensitive about these things, spend your time some other way. Pet a cat, eat a cookie, cure a disease. We don't care. I mean, yeah, I don't care. Do anything else.
0: Do anything else. If you don't like
1: this. Literally anything. Take a hike. 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 So uh, it's occurred to me, we always like, we always just get it, jump into stuff. uh, And I feel like, I mean, we brought it up a few times, but the opening music, there have been questions about who the opening band is, Uh, the opening music band. And it's a band from Southern California called Who Rides the Tiger. And I put a record out for them about five years ago. And I have some copies left on the All Hail the Black Market website. Uh, but if you don't have a turntable and you just want to get a hold of the album digitally, uh, you can reach out to me and I'll, just, I'll give you the, the download code. Well, you know, like, cause fuck making money. That's for, that's for saps.
0: Yeah. Who would want that? Dumb. It is. The music is so good though. It really
1: is. You know, so <laughs> I first came across them. Uh, I'm going to say, probably 14 years ago or 15 years ago. And I just stumbled across a, a MySpace page and they had two sure. songs and I was just gobsmacked. It was so, I loved it so much. And then they, um, they came and played in Oakland. Uh, they headlined at the stork club down there on uh telegraph telegraph or brought no telegraph. Yeah. And, um, and I and I like I'd been messaging them, so they like when we sat down and started chatting. Uh, Mike, the bass player, and I were already acquainted with one another, and then I met Bill and Bob, the drummer, and then uh, and we've been friends ever since. I mean, I I, I see and chat with Mike and Bob less. Uh, Mike's a new dad, and Bob is like studio. He plays in a billion different bands and has a full time job and stuff. But Bill and I. Uh, have maintained a, a tight relationship ever since. It's pretty cool. And so, yeah, I do uh I do love that record very much. So much that I and wanted to put it to vinyl and, and lose my shirt on the deal.
0: <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um however, every time uh our podcast opens and I and you got me into the habit of listening to the podcast so that I could get better at things that I'm not good at. Thanks. <laughs> um uh every time that music comes on, I'm like we have I I don't know if our podcast is any good, but our theme music is killer, God, it's true.
1: Our logo is kind of is kind of subpar uh we are on <laughs> iTunes, so that makes us pretty pro we're fifty two episodes in, and that makes us you know like just above beginners uh but the music is super on
0: point super good,
1: yeah. Yeah, so Who Rides the Tiger for anybody who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> music pick of the week,
0: besides Who
1: Rides the Tiger. Yeah. Robot.
0: Oh, yeah. I so <clears throat> my wife gave me some constructive feedback on my music picks the other day. She said you said you were going to pick something that was melodic and catchy and accessible. And you said cloud nothings. So I was like, Oh, finally something I might really like. And she went and listened to it. And she was like, you have no idea what's catchy, melodic or accessible. Do you?
1: <laughs> Everybody's got their own kind of catchy, melodic and accessible though. Eh?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I felt kind of bad about that. And I was like, well, uh, I'm going to put some more effort into Picking bands that don't sound like two raccoons fucking in a metal garbage can. Mm-hmm. Even though, if done rhythmically, I do think that's pretty catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this week, I'm picking a, a record that came out, I don't know when, before 2010. Sometime in the in the aughts mm. uh, by a fella by the name of A.C. Newman, whose main project is The New Pornographers. Okay. Um I'm
1: familiar with the name but not, you know, it's like one of those it's one of those bands that you probably have heard but you never really listened to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh it's good, but the he put out a record, a solo record. AC Newman is his name if I didn't say it already and the record is called The Slow Wonder. Okay. And it is just packed with I What I would call kind of mellow, retro rock kind of, I don't know, it's just real nice to listen to. Real nice to listen to. Okay. Uh, so in an effort to put something nice in people's ear holes for a change, I'm picking that.
1: Okay. Uh, you know, somebody reached out uh, to me at some point and they said, you you should put your, you should put your, the music picks like just add them to a, like a Spotify playlist. And I've done a couple Spotify playlists over the years, but I have lost my login information and I don't know where my profile is. And, and I don't really give a shit about Spotify. Um, but I think that's not the worst idea.
0: I like the idea of a comprehensive playlist. Um, I also have some reservations about Spotify unless they want to write us a check, (laughs) but I don't think, I don't think they want to write anybody a check and that's the problem with them. Best case. I mean, worst case, worst, best case
1: is we can just make, we can put a list of all of the picks in one place and people can let their fingers do the walking. Cause, um, I mean, not hard to Google bands, you know, and find their websites or find their, <clears throat> bandcamp pages or whatever.
0: Yeah, and and I do make a habit when the when the revolting post goes up on cycling independent now it does have the music picks in it. Right. So uh, with I, I forget, with links.
1: Yeah, I forget that people don't necessarily just access it from from the cycling independent website, but they might get it from iTunes and if they get it from iTunes then they wouldn't have access to those links, yeah? That that yeah, okay. that's right
0: people are subscribed on their toaster ovens uh-huh. on their on their ottomans on all kinds of things that i don't know about
1: yeah well so again like uh, for, uh if people care um you can find just go to the little magnifying glass on cycling independent and type in revolting and it will give you every episode and you can go through and you can take five minutes and you can write all the bands down and stop
0: fucking asking me about it Okay, Uh, but at some at some point we'll put it together because at some point we get to everything. Okay, except the important things. Go on. What's your pick this week? I don't.
1: I don't. I I like get to a couple of things and then ten more things stack up, and then I just get like I have, I don't know what my deal is, but I I have real trouble multitasking, and then I get super fucking freaked out, and then time starts going faster, and then nothing gets accomplished. So, I have a website that's been needing work for you know four years and i have made absolutely oh and if there's a web developer out there like a admin person who would be really hot to work with me like i'll pay you i just want to i just fucking dragon it's dragon and i looked it's i don't know i don't know what's the analogy i gave is that i'm like I'm doing like 120 miles an hour in an eighty-two Civic across country and it's got eight hundred thousand miles on the odometer and I can't fucking stop to fix it. Like I gotta I gotta go. I need a mechanic that'll like work on it while I'm driving. So if anybody out there is smarter than me, which is everybody, uh hit me up on this guy. I feel page.
0: like I feel like you just pitched uh the script for speed th- three but it's the worst version yet oh it's a buddy so com- you're not in a runaway bus Oh, no, it's a buddy comedy with dennis hopper
1: yeah it's a buddy comedy i'm driving somebody's under the hood hijinks ensue
0: hijinks are always ensuing i'm gonna do uh my
1: music pick is uh uh i went to uh cory blackwood's record store. what's it called again ritual records thank you ritual records in <laughs> bellingham washington <laughs> And uh, he has so much cool stuff in there. And I found the Descendants Ninth and Walnut album, and it's B sides and rarities from like 1980 or 1977 to 1983 or something. And I would argue that it's the best Descendants album of the last uh, several. Like, You know, early, early, early Descendants, it's just Milo and Bill Stevenson are the like two original members. Bill Stevenson, of course, was the drummer and Black Flag and fucking everybody else. And isn't that his name? Yeah. Sometimes I listen to episodes and I hear myself say with such authority these things. And then I'm like, I'm like, no, that's not right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so This
0: is revolting with bleeble and blah blah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I like I can't I mispronounce my friends' names sometimes and then like my mouth is kind of I kind of mud mouth so like I'll my vowels get confused sometimes is ass. Whatever. Uh so Ninth and Walnut by the Descendants is a super great record. Um early, early, early from their very inception on to uh you know early eighties. And if you like the descendants, I would wager to bet that you would love the Night and Walnut album.
0: How could you not love the Descendants? They're so lovable. They're so Um, lovable.
1: They are, right? I quote I quote a song probably once a month. Somebody somebody invited me to stay at their house. I was gonna go stay with Mickey Vukovic and his family in San Diego this coming weekend. And sadly. His sweet young daughter has got the COVID sniffles. So oh, no. Um, uh, they hooked me up. Uh, Mickey hooked me up with a mutual friend. And I w- said, they were like, oh, you got a sofa. And it's all, you know, like, it's all good. You've got run of the place. And to which I responded, clean sheets mean a lot to a guy who sleeps on the floor.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just,
1: they just, they're, it's like part of my lexicon.
0: I feel so my older son is a senior in high school and his I wake him up at seven thirty to go to school every day and around seven forty five or ten of eight, he actually gets up and gets in the shower. And when he takes a shower, he puts music on every time. uh, And so he can hear it over the shower. It's pretty loud. So we all get to hear it. And the other day. Uh, I was downstairs drinking my coffee and I heard him shuffle into the into the bathroom and the door shut. And and uh, I, all of a sudden I heard here in my van, I can't dance. Oh. And I was like, oh, man, I I am on some level successful as a as a parent and father.
1: Yeah. I, it's just it's wild to me to think that, you know what, I was seven years old. I was or you know, eight or nine years old or something when the descendants started and then really got into them probably in junior high and and that was so long it was so long ago. And people are still so appreciative. And Milo Ackerman, the vocalist, is still like thirty-two years old. Yeah. I mean he's just he's And amped. Amped and (sighs) sounds so fucking good. They're all just I don't know. But like I've said it before, bikes and skateboards and punk rock are the fountain of youth. You know, I mean, I've kind of like been dabbling with this ideology, but you look at fucking Alex, uh, fuck's that asshole's name, <laughs> that loudmouth who just got, you know, it's the fucking Sandy Hook denier piece of shit. Oh, yes. It doesn't Alex matter. That, that fucker. He's like three years younger than me. And he looks like oh. absolute garbage. And yeah, and uh, and the fucking Zodiac killer, the Texas Ted Cruz, that piece of shit, he's <laughs> he's younger than me. Also, looks like fucking trash. And then you go, I saw Mud Honey, what a month and a half, two months ago. Mark yeah. Arm is 63 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't, I can't, imp- imp- oh, what the word. I can't emphasize, emphasize this enough. Absolutely fucking killed it. Yeah.
0: Steve Olson. So why isn't it working for you and me? <laughs> man, I,
1: no, that's Are we not, not
0: doing it right? That's not
1: fair. I think we're, oh. we're, I mean, I just found a picture of myself when I was 37. I don't have very many pictures of myself. And I found a picture of myself uh, that Surly took at the 2007 interbike trade show. And I was like, ah, oh, I used to, I used to have a little bit of glimmer in my eye. Like I wasn't, a Little zippity uh, zap. I was, I was downtrodden, but I wasn't, I wasn't really haggard. And I look at myself now and I just feel like I'm, I look haggard, but comparatively. You, you were
0: downtrodden, but none of the footprints on your face were showing yet.
1: Yeah. It was just, I looked like a clean homeless guy and now I'm just the regular homeless guy. Uh anyway, punk rock skateboarding and bicycles are the fountain of youth. And I think that Oh I've, wait, I've told you the story about Dave Weens.
0: I don't know. You've told me a lot of stories. Uh I don't remember. I don't remember anymore. Dave Weens. I I need like a little recipe box
1: that I can follow along with. Dave Weens is so good looking. <laughs> but we were sitting at the goo booth at the trade show many years ago and we were kind of the degrees of separation between us are not that many. And, and I met him actually, I hung out with him at a skate shop in Denver when I was in ninth grade. And he was like, I guess he was probably a, a junior in high school at that time. And he tells me this and I was like, okay, I was 15 <clears throat> uh, and you were 17 or whatever. And I was like, Oh dude, how old are you at this point? You know, like how, you look yeah. so good. And uh, and he said, "I'm I'm 53 or however old he was at the time." And I and I just I said without thinking, I was like it was a total Linney and Squiggy moment. I said, "Oh my God, how is it that you look so much better than me?" And right then, my friend Danielle walked behind him and kind of put her mouth up, her hand up to her mouth. She's like, "Life choices," and then just (laughs) kept going. Like, oh, thanks, Danielle. One of you has won a bunch of really big bike races,
0: and the other one is named Stevel.
1: That fucking guy, he's just, and he's still, you know, whatever, he goes and does the Leadville 100 and smokes everybody. Oh, he's just, yeah. and he's so good looking, I hate him.
0: Yeah. yeah. Boo, uh, Dave Weens, boo, boo, boo. All right, Dave. All right, before we get into anything substantive, that's a threat, uh, we're going to break and say nice things about our sponsor.
1: Oh, hey, it's story time with Steve Will. In 1992, I lived in Denver with a couple of bike punks named Mark Dickerson and Dave Strunk. They were both ex-messengers who worked in shops around the Denver area. And one thing that Mark imparted upon me was sort of the importance of Shimano as an entity in the industry. He would go on at length about the painstaking efforts they would put into every product they brought to market. And his enthusiasm for shimano as a company as well as the products that they made was undeniable and infectious it was really at that point in my relationship with it as a company that i fell in love and i never looked back so forever and ever happily ever after steve and shimano sitting in a tree shimano (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay so if, uh, for the sake of full disclosure i have not even i didn't even crack today's notes so i'm like i'm back Uh-oh. to the olden times where i have no idea what we're talking about today
0: that's great we're talking about the results of your last colonoscopy today uh okay uh, no didn't, this episode is about head. yeah This episode is about how bikes continue to evolve and change, mostly for the better, sometimes for the worse. But skateboards remain the same. And this one comes to us as a suggestion from keen and avid listener Kent. Thanks, Kent.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: So question one. Skateboard sales seem to be driven by teams personalities and art mostly why don't the basic aspects of skateboards really change yeah like in the 80s decks got like decks were big right Mm -hmm. and skaters used more rails and tailbones and other kind of bolt-on shit but the basic deck uh trucks and wheels haven't changed a lot
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, clay wheels and steel wheels to urethane wheels and, and there's a, there's a, we reference the love letters to skateboarding series that Vans did uh, quite frequently on this podcast. Uh, But there's an episode about gimmicks. There's gimmicks and then there's the truck wars. I think that's a second, that's a secondary episode. And, you know, there's a lot, there's been a lot of, uh, design tweaks over the years, um, but essentially, you know, there's no, there's nothing mechanical to it. Really. You can, you know, change the the density of the bushings or the, the durometer of the wheels and you can do laser uh, machined bearings in space to make them the roundest uh, or, right. you know, seals or take the seals out or, you know, it's all like, it just, it's such, Because it's such a simple, it's such a simple machine, there really isn't, there's not that much to it. It's very, it's very basic. And so when the first design came out, it just like, it's just evolved a little bit, but it's really, you know, it's like four wheels, trucks and a deck.
0: But you never see like a a top skater. You never see like a Tyshawn Jones come on and say, you know, I could kick flip even higher stuff. I could ollie over more picnic tables, even if I had ceramic bearings. Whereas in the bike world, uh, you know, people our age are like, well, I paid for the twelve hundred dollar ceramic derailleur jockey wheel upgrade because. Reasons. Yeah. Well, bike
1: people are, I mean, cyclists. I think in general, and everybody's waiting for me to say something like, they're all a bunch of fucking sheep, but I'm not. (laughs) They love gear though. They love things. They love trinkets and new technology and reinvented, like biopaste didn't work the first time, but elliptical chain rings now, that's like, ooh, that's brand new shit. Or, you know, suspension headsets or, uh, you know, suspension or suspended uh, soft soft tail road bikes, like, uh, that, that's like, that's kind of, that's a horse is getting trotted out again. Um, but I, yeah, I think cyclists in general love stuff. I was at a Grand Fondo in San Diego and the fucking amount of clothing these people had on, it was like 60 degrees, but there was like any kind of neoprene fucking toe cover or whatever, anything you could imagine every little piece of gear they just they fucking love it i don't, I don't understand it like because i you know i just wear fucking shoes and shorts <laughs> and a shirt sometimes
0: shoes shoes um do what what is it that skaters and this is a bike podcast so i don't want to over focus on skaters but what is it that skaters are really obsessed about um like how big your pants are no i <clears throat> it t- it totally
1: depends like there's like you know there's tech skaters there's old school skaters there's fucking pool skaters like there's not sure. you can't say skaters like generalize and say oh skaters are obsessed with this one kind of thing uh and cycling it's kind of the same way you know you've got like the fucking flow ride people you got the free ride people or you got the gravity people or you got the enduro people or the gravel people or the road people and sometimes there's cross crossover but you know you can't say oh cyclists are obsessed with this or skaters are obsessed with this. Cause it, it, it varies per group and like, well, I don't know, whatever like appeals to your general or your specific aesthetic.
0: But look, these are both, um, perf- performance. I mean, <laughs> at the top end, uh, these are performance oriented sports, right? Like you watch a skate part. I watch a lot of skate parts. Um, I've never seen anyone miss or make a trick for an equipment based reason that i that I'm aware of
1: uh, besides like deck failure like <laughs> you, you break your trucks or you right. break your you break your board i mean there's not there, there's like there's nothing to it there's There's actually three primary components, and if all three of those don't break, then you're fine. <laughs>
0: Sure. Well, why aren't there titanium decks?
1: Because there's no, there's no flex in it. There are, there are titanium trucks. They make ti- mm. titanium core truck. I think uh, uh, Independent does it. Um, and there are, you know, they've tried to do laminates and they've tried to do like foam cord decks and all kinds of stuff. But then everybody just realized like, okay, well, fucking Canadian maple is the best. So Hmm. just leave it at that. You know, I think there's been, there's been uh, attempts at innovation over the years. Um, uh, but sort of like steel, if Farentino said a bunch of years, he's like, man, if, if steel bikes, if steel as a material was introduced today, it would be hailed as the new wonder material. You know, it's resilient, it's light, it's easily fixable. Uh, you know, you do anything with steel, but the bike industry is, maybe there's more m- money or not. I don't, I don't know. Bunch of fucking dorky engineers who are like, oh, ceramic composite frames. we got to do those. That's going to be the next big thing. Oh no. Okay. Like carbon fiber weave. No, no. Uh, titanium. Okay. That's kind of cost prohibitive and hard to manufacture. No, maybe that's just sort of a niche market.
0: I right. Shit, man. So would you... S- would you say that, um, like skate companies were like, oh, we're going to innovate. We're going to innovate. And everyone was like, no, don't do that. Um, but do put out decks with murderous clowns on them and we'll buy those.
1: Uh, I, I, like I said, some people have, some companies have tried to, try to curveball, you know, various deck technologies or whatever. Um, any, you, you remember gleaming the cube? Oh, sure. And, uh. Christian Slater's character pulls out the, like the super, the super board and it's got a diamond plate top on it. Uh, Yeah. Doesn't seem like a very good idea to me, but you know, Hollywood baby. So I just think, I don't know. We keep kind of circling around and I, and I answer the questions sort of similarly, like the, the design innovations are small, but the materials that have always been used are historically proven to be the best. That's just what
0: works. So so you walk into a skate shop uh, and you want to buy a new deck. Uh, what, what are your motivations? What, do, what are the criteria? Shapes, shape and concave. Like I didn't,
1: uh, <clears throat> I went into the local shop here in Bellingham. Uh, my buddy Zach owns called Unknown and there's a Tom Knox board. Uh, and, and it was like the, 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 it was like a double kick and like a double nose and it's the weird diamond concave, like the concave and this thing, the shape in this thing was fucking wild. And it just seemed like that might be the deck that makes me a better skateboarder. I don't know. And plus I hadn't seen it was a, it was a reissue and it was fucking cool. And I had a little bit of money in my pocket, so I decided to get it and I haven't even built it up yet. And I'm still, I write the board. I have, I've ridden my own shape, the boards that I put out because it's, it's basically like a Grasso shape, like kind of the same dimensions, but I ended up getting a Donovan Rice deck, uh, that, um, he writes for ATM it's a shorter wheelbase and it was awkward at first. And now I love it. Like I can't even ride my own boards anymore (laughs) because Donovan's deck has set the bar so high. Um, So, you know, it's taken me a long time, but I realized like um, wheelbase and geometry and all of that stuff plays into it. Um, So I know a little bit better now, you know, some boards are going to feel better than other boards. I wanted to, and and I don't I don't know why I didn't realize this, but I used to get boards because I loved the skateboarders who rode them, and I wanted to ride like right. the skateboarders who rode them. So I would right. get like a GSD board, a Gary Scott Davis board, because I loved the way he skated. And I fucking hate that board. It is the <laughs> worst for me for my size and this, you know, right. the way that the way that I uh, sort of naturally skate. It absolutely doesn't jive with with that deck hmm. so yeah i guess if i'm gonna buy a new deck i'm just gonna i'm gonna look at shape and geometry not unlike but, so, when you can get a bike
0: but the average uh sk- how old is the average skater do you think oh uh that was a painful question i don't know uh probably
1: between you know 15 and 28
0: all right, so that person walks into a skate shop. Are, do you think they're still buying based on skater or art, or do you think they're thinking about shape and 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 geometry?
1: Uh, it. Well, I don't know because I don't know anybody who's that. that. <laughs> In that demographic, I mean, I know I've lived here for two years. I know two skaters, and they're both grown. But when ups. you were
0: that age, you were you were like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy a Gears Scott Dave's board," or "I'm gonna buy." Uh, that would have been
1: when I was probably in my late teens, um, and then I sort of started figuring it out. But I was still I was still buying like shaped boards, and you know, mm. like like big big boy boards because the trend went to. Really technical skating in the late '80s and early '90s, and I didn't understand that. My hand-eye coordination—it's just like my brain doesn't. That was get like it. the
0: tiny wheel era.
1: Uh, it was like narrow boards, kind of like freestyle boards, and real, real, real tech, real tech stuff. And I didn't. get I mean, that's not how I. That's definitely not how I skated then or now. Mm. I make the joke yeah. that I'm like, I've been a 52-year-old skateboarder since I was 13. <laughs> Like I've always skated the way that I skate now and I probably Uh have lot, you know, like I was a better skater when I was a kid uh, than I am now. But um, uh, I I basically, you know, I like skate the same way. Mm. Uh, So yeah, the boards that I, the boards that I look for now are the kind of boards that support the kind of skating that I do and, and and what what kids look for now. I, I have no idea.
0: Right. Right. I mean, I feel like, I feel like the sport is so, um, I, I hate to use the word superstar driven, but you know, there's a lot of really great young skaters and, and they are the, the, that's what moves the needle for those companies, right? Those teams and those companies.
1: Yeah, I think so. The video parts. And I, I mean, <clears throat> I know you said you didn't want to turn this into just talking about skateboarding, but used to be like, there would be a graphic like would there, a board or a skater would have a graphic and that would last for six months. You know, one graphic would yeah. last for my, mo- and now it's like, it's like monthly and, and there's limited yeah. edition and there's collection or collectors and to collectors decks and all this stuff. And so maybe there's, maybe that drives it sort of like when they, you know, release a, a limited edition Jordan shoe and then everybody stands in line for it you know not yeah. as not a, it's not as big of a market but i think i think skateboarding's having a real resurgence and and graph it's graphic driven to a degree and it's video part driven to a degree but also you know shit the kids are doing like you had to wait for a, a video to come out and you would see all this amazing footage And now you just flip through social media and you see shit before it even, like, you know, anybody, before their sponsors even see it. It happens instantaneously, and that's kind of changed. Yeah, it's crazy. That's kind of changed how things work as well. But never having worked in the skateboarding industry or the action sports industry, you know, I've been in the bike industry for 20, like, officially, I think, for, like, 25 years, unofficially for 30 or 29 mm-hmm. or something. So I don't really have any perspective on anything except that. And I don't even have any perspective on the bike industry. I don't understand what the fuck is happening. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much nonsense. I mean, that's the one thing that I know for sure is that the bike industry has a ton of nonsense.
0: I mean, you often say that, um, skateboarding is a creative endeavor and cycling is generally a linear endeavor, right?
1: Well, just in one, how one moves their body, you know, but of course like slope style or whatever, like there's all kinds of, that's super technical and you have to have the vision to do that all of that stuff, which is wild, or to build those trails or you know, and that's so that's super creative. It's uh it's like that video game, Line Rider, you know, where the little guy on the sled and you're you're making them like the loops that they won't they won't loop out on or the jumps that they can clear. Did you ever play Line Rider? Um, very
0: simple little
1: computer game. Um, but you, you can't build things that you you wouldn't be able to build. You can't build things that you wouldn't be able to ride. So the, the envelope is constantly being pushed. And so that's, that's super creative. And, um, uh, the way that, you know, the, the sorts of bikes that are being built and the innovations that are being made, that's super creative. Is it, is it always a success? No. You know, the way I think in general, though, the way people ride is you get on a bike and you push the pedals and the bike goes forward and, 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 you know, and skateboarding is not like that. Skateboarding goes in 360 degrees in every direction and, and cycling goes forwards and and sometimes backwards.
0: Yeah. Physically, I, I mean, inter- physically. Sure. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting point because when I I watch a lot of skate videos, even though I don't skate and I find it, I find it inspiring creatively. Like, I love the energy of skate videos. I love the like whole vibe of uh, the skater being out with their friends and, you know, kind of going for it. And You know, there's I like the music. I like I like the whole thing about skate videos, skate parts generally. And then I watch bike videos, but I tend to watch, like you say, free ride or whatever, you know, the big stuff, the the stuff that I I am never going to do in my life and have never done. And I find that very entertaining and it is creative and it is sort of like awe inducing. I don't watch what I do. I love to do what I do, but I don't watch it because it's. I don't know. Is it linear? Maybe it's linear.
1: I don't know. Uh, What was I going to say? I when I watch a skate video, I like to watch the skating and I like to fantasize about the environment that that they're in. You know, like you see a backyard pool and you, you like, oh, look at that, the house in the background. It's got the windows broken out. Like, one, I wonder what the story is with that house and like who used to live there and, and does anybody own it? Does anybody pay any attention to it? Or drainage ditches, like drainage ditches are my favorite. They always <laughs> have totally captured my imagination because like it's this, it's this thing that was built for an express purpose that has, that is not at all related to what you're doing in it. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know why, maybe because they were such an, it was such a rarity, uh, such a rarity Um, in Colorado, you know, that when I, you know, when I would come across one, if I was visiting my cousin in Texas or something, it was just like, it was like the clouds opened and the angels sang, you know, it was just such a... Look, it, we
0: found an accidental skate park.
1: It was <laughs> such a treat. And it's still like skating in places that I don't particularly... Like I got like skate parks kind of bore me because that's what they're built for. You know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and when I, when I watch cycling videos, you know, or like watch races, I am far more entranced with the environment. I'm looking at the mountains or, um, yeah. again, like places made specifically for skating bore, bore me and places made specifically for mountain biking bore me. Like Whistler. I could give a shit about a place like that. Glad it exists, mm. but I have no fucking interest in going there. So when I watch, uh, when I watch footage of people just like ripping some, uh, natural single track, then I'm looking at the path that goes like, where does the path go? What is that, you know, like again, it goes back to sort of how I enjoy skate videos is, is looking at the lines the person's taking or, or maybe riding something that isn't necessarily expressly built for mountain biking or built for drop bar riding or whatever, but you're just out like you're exploring and you're inventing this experience for yourself. That's what I think most appeals to me, to me. That's, that's just my, that's what lights my fire.
0: No, I like that. I like that. And I think you're right. Like when I watch a skate video, a lot of it is sort of rote. One of the problems I have with skate videos is that someone figured out a really good format for skate video. And then people made that video over and over again. Oh, forever. Like, forever. That's and what I don't know if you, have you ever watched
1: the first bones brigade video, the bones brigade video show starts with right. Lance mountain pops out of his chimney and does an acid drop off his roof. And then he's just skating. Like it's just, skating from A to B and he stops by, does a little no comply over a curb. There's a thrasher in this planner. He picks it up, looks at a big article about Rodney Mullen. then it goes to Rodney Mullen segment. And then it ends that ends. And then he throws it back in the thing. And then he jumps on a train and does a board slide. Like there's a, there's a narrative there. Yeah. And that's what I loved. That's the first video that ever existed that I knew of. And it's the first video I ever saw. And I remember watching it, the video on the monitor at the one skate shop in Colorado in like 1983. And I was just like, where are these places? Where (laughs) is this? Like, I didn't know. Is this in Denver? Is this around Denver? And then it just, I was like, Oh, I just changed. It blew my mind. It made me look at the environment like an urban environment, totally differently. I want to explore around every corner and I want to find every little bank. And I want to find every little loading dock. And it just like that is so exciting to me. It still is so exciting to me.
0: Well, this is this is kind of what I was going to say. Like, uh, I can watch a lot of skate parts and not be impressed, even though what they're doing is superhuman. But then they they find a feature and they use it in a way that I couldn't possibly have imagined. And that that really lights me up. And it's. It's not unlike um like you, you I was out uh you and I spent the day together and we went to Western Washington University College. I think <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, the Western Western Washington WWU I think I, I don't I don't know. It's the university <laughs> here. In yes,
0: we went there. And I was saying to you as we walked around, I was looking and I do this, I realize all the time. And especially since my kid is getting ready to go to college, we do these college visits and I'm constantly leaning over to my wife saying, look at that, the way those stairs are right there. And then there's that rock like I would ride down. And she's <laughs> like,
1: Whoa, why?
0: What like we're talking about like our son leaving home and you are playing like <laughs> well <laughs> you're
1: pre- playing pretend bikes in your head you know and, and I've I've known a lot of people who've got who've transitioned from skateboarding to mountain biking or like or who have gone from skating and then and then included mountain biking like a ton like a t- a right. ton I could rattle off I could rattle off uh fifteen people off the top of my head and uh Paul Yurick. Uh, is a tattoo artist in oakland an old friend of mine he and i used to talk about like the way that you see the lines it's the it's, it's yeah. the it's exact same thing and it, it checks all of those boxes where you look at a trail or you look at a line over some rocks and over some stairs or whatever it's the exact it's the exact same synapses firing as as a skateboarder who you know looks at lines up across walls or down like where, you know, and, and it is, we're watching evolution happen in real time too, because like you said, the shit that people do now is so next level. And I couldn't, I don't, it's not relatable to me the same way that tech, tech skating used to not be relatable to me. Like cycling is relatable to me. Some of the stuff that people do isn't, but I understand what it feels like to ride fast. And I understand what it feels like to jump. And, you know, but not, not like they, not like they do. And, but that doesn't like, that's not relatable to me. The the foundation of it is, and I guess the foundation of skateboarding is, but then like when it goes extra super big and they do stuff that I wouldn't have even considered possible, then you just kind of sit back and go, well, wow. You know, like somebody really did the hell out of that trick. Uh, but like, is how does that affect me? Besides it kind of makes me stoked, but it doesn't, there's a gap there for me somehow.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I think it's a little bit like, I want to see how people use the space. I want to see how people bring, I mean, we've talked about, you know, this before, like I want to see how people bring order to the chaos that's in front of them. Mm-hmm. This place, I've this place I've been riding lately. Um, Is the whoever has been cutting trails there, here I've said this before too. In New England, we have a lot of like glacial boulders. Yeah. And so these woods are full of boulders of you know every shape and size. And whoever cut the trails in uh basically was like, I'm gonna take you to this boulder. And some of the boulders are rideable. Some of them are really sketchy and hard, and some of them are, like, very flowy. In some cases, they've put, you know, they've sort of, like, put rock in so that if you come off a certain section, you can kind of roll through. I really, and it is really beautiful um, in the way that they have given you a space to work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, without necessarily prescribing uh, what you're supposed to do. And so you have this, um, you have these creative choices that sort of like can uh, push your skills or not. Um, And I I love it so much. And it's exactly kind of what I'm looking at uh, in skate parts and in a lot of mountain bike videos that I see where where people are taking lines that either I couldn't or wouldn't have thought of yeah. or using the landscape in a way that's that's cool. You know,
1: th- I, I don't, that just reminded me there's a there's a sort of point of view YouTube channel that I stumbled across. And <clears throat> I think it's a it's a guy who lives up in B.C. And he kind of is like narrating like he's talking to himself and you're you know seeing the stuff that he sees And every time he finishes, uh, Stan, he has this like kind of infectious little giggle that reminds me of, of an old friend of mine. Um, and, uh, the shit that he does is so berserk, you know, and it's (laughs) not like he's not stunting. This is just him. This is just him writing. He just happens to be so much better than I could ever hope to be, you know? And like, I always say like, I don't really like watching sports or I don't like watching bike racing or I don't even really like, you know, like I'll watch a skate park every now and again. Like I don't watch a ton of stuff. I don't watch other people do stuff because I would rather do it myself, you know, or do anything myself. I don't give a shit. I just sitting and watching somebody else do stuff kind of like it drives me out of my mind most of the time. But if I'm, you know, whatever, like laying in bed in the morning or I grab my laptop and I happen to open up one of this guy's videos, like watching that for 15 or 20 minutes, maybe no, 20 minutes is a lot. 10 or 15 minutes. It really like clears my emotional palate. And again, like to see the environments that he's riding in, like, what does that smell like? I love being in the woods. I bet that smells really yeah. good there. And it, and like the moss and the vistas and whatever. And then it opens up all, like my, all my own memories and my own experiences and kind of like gets me hyped to go ride at a sub mediocre level.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Same, same. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I used to, I used to ride with my buddy, uh, Neil, who is a bike designer at seven and Neil and I were pretty well matched. Uh, but we would, we would make videos of each other doing stuff uh, on mountain bikes and then we watch them back later and be like wow this is so sad yeah it's so slow yeah <laughs> it's so slow you think
1: you're hauling ass through this through this section or off this thing and then you look at the video i like some sometimes like i'll i like shooting stuff in, in in slow-mo so you get the the speed and then it slows down and you can kind of see the action or the arc yeah. or the the lean or the or- tweak or whatever and then go, or
0: the look of terror on my face, <laughs> just blooming the,
1: and then goes fast again. And so you have the second where you're like, like, that's kind of interesting to me. I don't know if anybody else gives yeah. a shit about it, but sometimes I'll, I'll do that. I'll like, I always have toe straps on my backpack, so I'll toe strap my camera to a tree branch or something and then get like, yeah. make a little footage. And I don't know. It's kind of, or it makes me feel like, like a big kid, like however the big right. kids must feel.
0: All right, so we have—I don't know where we went with this conversation because it was supposed to be about equipment, but uh, I enjoyed all of that. But let's let's get let's get to question two real quick, which is why do bikes change so relentlessly, and what would happen if they stopped changing, like skateboards?
1: Mm, it's like a space race, you know. Like if somebody, if everybody said, "Okay, we're gonna just leave it as is," I mean, Kona, like their bikes have been they haven't changed in forever and people kind of like give them grief about it, but their designs are fucking great. So I don't yeah. think any of the engineers there feel terribly compelled to, to make a different version of the process or whatever the, you know, the Hey, Hey, or the different yeah. processes that they have because they're great bikes, you know? And, yeah. and um uh, Steve Elms, he was one of the founders of independent fabrications that we, I know i told this story before we were talking a couple years ago and he's like, God, man, no wonder our bodies are so fucked up. Cause we basically been writing prototype stuff this whole time. <laughs> and then with the virtual pivot point that whatever designer came up with that Santa Cruz ended up buying the, the rights to uh, the, vir- vir- I feel like the virtual pivot point kind of changed the game for everybody. And now, you know, you've got like, there's a there's so many bikes with so many moving parts, and I think what's the bike that's got like an elevated drivetrain and all the shit, like super cool, but is going to be t- completely obsolete in a couple of years. I think the mousetrap has kind of leveled out, and the designs are are really really good, and we
0: should just make them now. Just make them and sell
1: them. I feel like that's kind of where we're at. Like somebody will come along. Some engineering student will come out of Cal Poly and be like, oh, I figured out a whole brand new thing that's never been thought of before. And they'll give that a crack for a while. But I think for the most part, it's 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 gotten as good as it's ever been. And maybe uh, maybe it's gotten as good as it as it will be. I, I don't know. You know ask me again in five years when everything is way better or the world has ended. It won't
0: matter. Let's just do this episode again next week and see how that goes. Everything
1: changed. Holy cow. There's you're right. There was a titanium skateboard. Ah, I didn't see that. coming.
0: Here's, here's a bike frame made entirely of cheese.
1: Yeah. So I don't Um, think, I think it's just cause the, the abundance of materials and, and, wacky scientists that are coming up with new ways of doing it. Like I think, you know, they're just, everybody's trying to be faster and, yeah. and you know, whether that's on a mountain bike or a road bike or any kind of drop bar bike or whatever. And so you materials are integral when you're talking about, you know, like hundredths of a second or thousandths of a second difference between first and second place. Yeah. You're going to boring. Nerds are going to, fucking nerd you know
0: nerds are gonna fucking nerd
1: so uh okay what are we at 51 minutes and we got time for a would you rather huh yeah okay all right would you rather be the only human who talks out of their butt uh even though your voice sounds exactly like your voice now or the only human uh whose voice sounded like farts all your words are comprehensive, like regular speech, but they all sound like they've been farted. Mm.
0: Yeah, so basically you have fart voice. um, Which Boy. I really think would be pretty funny. Uh, or you could be the only human who talks out of your butt. uh hard hitting issues is what we tackle
1: here fart voice i don't i wouldn't talk very much i don't think mm, i i would do i would go with fart voice why um because it would just be too hard to explain to people like when you walked in and order a coffee be like. I have to turn around and sit on the counter so I can, so you can hear me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe you could, um, maybe you could configure some kind of like, you could like tape a, a mic with a little speaker on your collar or something. So you could like, you'd like tape it in your butt crack and then you could talk. You and just people-
0: mouth the words while they came
1: out of your butt. You know, people just think you were like a ventriloquist or something. Yeah, be like, oh, here comes the guy who doesn't talk with his, you know, or his, his mouth doesn't move. Like, I don't know how he does it. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he, uh, uh, he got like uh, when you get the hole cut in your voice box, tracheotomy. Is that what it is? Or like, you get to like throat cancer when you put the little mic up and it? right. You sound like a robot. <clears throat> you do. You just do something like that be like you could hold a thing up oh, so they so, think that you had so you they think you had esophageal cancer but in fact you're just micing words out of your butt into a speaker <laughs> so, wait. <laughs> so
0: wait are you changing your answer now you're t- now you're the butt talker but you have the thing as cover yeah or <clears throat> you're yeah you're taking that over fart
1: well fart if voice. i was fart voice i just wouldn't talk anymore like i would become totally nonverbal, which mm. some might argue would be fine they'd be fine that,
0: <laughs> that would be an improvement
1: yeah but i would go i would go with i would go with talking i would uh uh but not legibly what's the auditory version of legib- legible
0: Um, Uh, I don't know. Comprehensive, comprehensibly,
1: or auditorially um, comprehensive. I don't know. You'd understand. I just sound like me, but I, but it would be piped through a little microphone that I'd have to put in my butthole.
0: Yeah. (laughs) 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 Sorry. These are so stupid, but they made me laugh so much. (laughs) uh what <laughs> well you i figure you could probably also make some money talking out of your butt like yeah. that's definitely a sideshow thing you could parlay into some kind of monetary yeah <clears throat> whereas if you just had fart voice i don't know actually maybe guy with fart voice has the world's top youtube youtube channel
1: would you have would it smell like farts when you talked?
0: Oh, that's an excellent question. Yeah, but I mean, I breath. think that's debilitating. That would just be like, no. I, can I mean, never you'd, have- you'd be
1: bummed to be around yourself. Yeah. Like you'd sneeze and you'd be like, oh, fuck. You'd have to like leave your own house. Awful. That's a terrible yeah. way to go. No,
0: no. It's just the voice. But I mean, can you imagine maybe someone would make a cartoon character for you and you could just voice the card and it's like Fartman and he just talks that way?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I think. That would get I'm, old. I'm just trying to get through, you know, my, what, what years I have left, like easily configured as possible. in the way that you are. <laughs> and I think that, well, yeah, but I think that if I had a, if I had like, if I, I would just do the little microphone thing, like there's a workaround with every, would you rather there's a workaround. And I think I would rather yeah. sound like myself out of my butt than sound like a farts out of my mouth. And every time we have conversations like this, I think about the fact that my my mom told me that. My sixth grade teacher listens to this, and she's, oh, I know, she's yeah. just like, she's sitting at a table out in Colorado with her cup of coffee and her head in her hand. Sorry, Miss McGillicuddy. She, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. White. I still call her Mrs. White. She's got a first name, but I don't want to use it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So shout out to Mrs. White again. Sorry. Sorry about this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, what did you answer? Uh, I <laughs> I think I'm with you. I would rather sp- speak in my regular. I hate my actual voice. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hate my actual voice. <laughs> but I I think I would rather keep it. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer the same as you, and that's that is the mark of a not very successful would you rather that I don't feel like I sh- I can disagree with you. I feel like there needs to be both sides of the equation need to be well weighted. Yeah. Mm, well, I,
1: you know, it just depends on who you like. We just happen to share a similar perspective on this. it? Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. that's fine. It doesn't. That was, it's not, it wasn't a failure. I think it's a good one. I think this will have people talking. I think this might end up on Good Morning America. <laughs> I think so. I think so.
0: Which is Mrs. White's Mrs. White's other favorite. Uh, oh, and then she'll be
1: me- she'll be like, "God damn it! I'm glad that's over." And turn off the podcast <laughs> and turn on Good Morning America, and there'll be Bryant Gumbel or whatever the guy's name is.
0: Was it Al Roker? Isn't it on Good Al Morning? Al Roker, or- Gene Shalit, Gene Talk- Shalit. <laughs> we're just saying the names of the people that were on in like 1984. <laughs> <laughs> jane paulie is on now with uh, uh, jane
1: paulie and gene shallot talking about farting out of their mouths <laughs> uh all right thanks for listening to revolting if you have stuff you want us to talk about like kent did today that thanks, was a Ken. pretty pretty good episode thanks kent yeah you can email me uh at stevele at cyclingindependent.com or robot at robot ro- Robot at Robot at CyclingIndependent.com If you like this podcast, inflict it on a friend or a group of friends. Or if you don't have any friends, that's cool too. There's no point in suffering alone. So on behalf of Revolting and Cycling Independent, I'm Steve. I'm Robot. Love your neighbor. Yeah.